tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... Everyone is talking about Jaw. Jaw! This is actually the only time in, in NBA history we can say that joke, which is Jaw! And it actually makes sense. Uh, you're like, think about that. Uh, we'll fill you in on what's happening with him, but I think probably from a different perspective because the media, the media machine is in full force. And they are like vultures. The columnists are like vultures circling around Jaw's cold body. Uh, I also break down some news from around the league including New York Knicks, bing bong, and how the perilous future is for the new Brooklyn Nets, especially and particularly Sean Marks. A lot happening, Nick. Drop that generic-ass beat. I want to talk about basketball. I want to talk about four of the best shot makers on planet Earth going toe-to-toe on a Saturday afternoon. I want to talk about Luka and Doncic and Devin Booker going head-to-head, face-to-face, smile-to-smile at the end of a game. But you know what I have to talk about? I have to talk about one of the best superstars in the league, one of the most electric players in the league, bringing a gun and taking off his shirt and going to a strip club after getting his ass handed to him by Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. And how did he get that gun to Denver? I I don't want to talk about this. I bet you don't want to hear about this. I bet you don't. bet there's 25 think pieces written about it already. For those who have returned from a darkness retreat and don't know what I'm talking about, John Morant is, I don't even know if it's considered suspension because they didn't say the word suspended, but John Morant is going to be away from the Memphis Grizzlies for at least two games while he sorts his shit out and the Grizzlies sort their shit out and certainly the NBA sorts out what they want to do with John Morant. Why? Because in the same week that a Washington Post article dropped about Jaw flashing a gun, Jaw actually went on his own Instagram Live. He did it himself, people. He went on his own Instagram Live and showed a gun in his own hand to his own face. Why, Jaw? Why? At like 2 in the morning. Of course it was at 2 in the morning. What do you think it was at 2 in the afternoon? No, there was alcohol involved, obviously. And he is in trouble. 
This is also on the heels of the Indiana Pacers thing where they accused him and his friends pointing a, a laser scope gun thing at him. I don't even know the right words because I don't have guns. That's how you know I don't know the terms. What is what is going on? Um, everyone is weighed in. Gilbert Arenas is weighed in. Gilbert Arenas is a fucking idiot, by the way. Gilbert Arenas said... Who, by the way, got suspended 50 games for bringing a gun into the locker room. So I'm not going to say he's the beacon of wisdom here. Thought maybe thought maybe he would have learned from this. Gilbert Arenas' take is that John Morant, we should just pretend we didn't see it. <laughs> That's this his real take. That's his real take. Boogie Cousins. Why are all these people? You see how it's like, it's never... Never like Dame Lillard, like weighing in on it. You know what I mean? It's like Boogie Cousins, Gilbert Arenas, uh, Paul Pierce. Like people who truthfully shouldn't be weighing in on this are weighing in. Like that's, I guess, what makes it funny. Boogie Cousins says, this is why you need a strong veteran presence in your locker room. Someone lobbying for a job here. Also, Boogie Cousins, I don't know if that's you. Right? I'm not sure that that type of person matches up with you and your reputation. Paul Pierce, of all people, also chimed in. God. He says, I don't care what y'all say about Jaw. I carried a gun after I was stabbed. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we Y'all don't know what he's going through. Everyone got something to say until you really know what's going on in someone's life. When you black and rich, you're a target, period. Oh, okay. So we should just enact an open carry license for every NBA player because they're all rich and they're 95% black. So I guess that's what we'll do there for, for Paul Pierce to feel comfortable. <laughs> I can say this with complete confidence. I don't think anyone is checking for these men's opinions on this subject. I don't think anyone's like, hey, Adam, uh, when are you going to make a decision about what's going on with Ja? Well, I need to hear all the stakeholders' opinions. I need to hear what Paul Pierce and uh, Gilbert Arenas and Boogie Cousins have to say first. The, the the guys who I can really rely on to give me a cogent understanding of all of the facts on the ground here. <laughs> ah, everyone wants to lecture. Everyone wants to point out what Jaw's doing wrong. People want to pile on. Fucking columnists, they are vultures, aren't they? They come out of the woodwork. I don't even know what they do. What they would do without this type of stuff. Like, I'm sure Nancy... I haven't read one column, because why would I? But I am certain that Nancy Armour has a column. I'm certain Christine Brennan has a column. I'm certain Sally Jenkins has a column. That Dan Wolken, who, by the way, I love. I know these people, like, personally. So it's no shade to them, but Dan Wolken covers college football. Okay, what what does Dale Wolken need to say about John Morant? Not a damn thing. It's kind of gross, isn't it? Like, when you think about it, they all have some POV about how Jaw is going the wrong direction and 
how without proper guidance and leadership, and there's always some socioeconomic thing that these YTs have to say about it, right? It's wild. It's When you think about it from that perspective, it's absolutely bonkers land, what we're living in. They just sit around and they wait in a corner somewhere until somebody, some athlete does something bad, and then they have a think piece ready to go. They have no connection to John Morant. They have no connection to these streets. They have no connection to being someone who's that young, with that much money, that quick. And I already said, I think Jaws being an idiot. So that's obvious. But these think piecers, they got to get the fuck out of here with that. Also, the person that I did like what he had to say, the only person that I think had anything to say good was uh, Jalen Rose. Let's listen. I am John Morant. Like... You guys have got a chance to see me grow up for public consumption since 1991. And I've been involved in drug raids. I've survived assassination attempts. I've been that undisciplined young person that was trying to figure out how to be famous, how to be successful, and how to change the dynamics of my family. The one thing that young people have to understand, and in John Morant's case, when you first get drafted, you go from being a member of the family, a member of the crew, to being the leader, to being the breadwinner. And first and foremost, I hear a lot of people talking about like his family and his crew. When you the leader, it's on you. Because you end up searching that lifestyle you end up wanting to be down. And what I had to learn is that people come into your life for four reasons. To add, subtract, multiply, or divide. You have to choose wisely. He has way too much to lose. Trust me, I've been that young player carrying a gun. And Will Bond alluded to this. When you start waving it, that could get you killed. That, that ain't, that's, that's an that's a entirely different thing than we're talking about a superstar athlete should be putting themselves in position. And as Stephen A. mentioned, that's him on the video, on his IG Live. Ain't nobody coaxing him. Ain't nobody got a, 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 a ain't nobody egging him on to do that. That's a personal choice. That's a personal choice. Jalen Rose is the only person I'm listening to, listening to on this. That is straight-up facts. Because as much as uh, everybody's like, oh, John needs to pick better friends. Oh, he's too loyal to people who... I saw his uncle on Instagram, and his uncle posted that Jalen Rose video and said, facts. That's his uncle, okay? So I think everybody's kind of in agreement. Jaws being a little bit of an asshole right now. He's uh, doing things the wrong way on his own. It was Jaw who decided allegedly, to beat that 17-year-old kid down when the kid threw the basketball at him. It was Jaw flashing the gun uh, on his own Instagram uh, at, on social media, which is just crazy. Like this, That decision is just baffling to me. As someone who's made my own share of Instagram live decisions, wild, just wild. And as I say, I say this, that Jaw could be the problem, like Jaw is his own worst enemy, that is uh, 
an issue that needs to be addressed. Who he decides to have with them is only augmenting what's going on. I think Jaw is the most exciting player in all of sports, period. End of story. I love Damian Lillard. I think John Morant is the only player I would go to the Capital One Center to see. It's true. Capital One is trash. The lighting is horrible. The vibe is awful. Parking, awful. Chinatown, all of it. All of it. But I said, you know what? I'm going to go and see Jaw at the Capital One. Did I see Jaw? No, I did not. That's a totally different story, a different day. It's a load management discussion. But I was like, you know what? I'm still going to go. Why? Just so I can get a glimpse of Jaw in street clothes. That's how cool and how exciting and how electric Jaw is. You want to know what his vibe is at any given moment. But Jaw clearly has, has, not is just the problem, has a problem. And he alludes to it on his um, statement, the PR statement that, like his uh, Olivia Pope's put out. Uh, he said, I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, city of Memphis, and the entire Grizzlies organization for letting you down. But this is the key piece. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. Straight out of the Josh Primo PR handbook. I think that's like basically what he said. I'm going to take some time away and find some better methods uh, to coping with stress. The keywords: get help, learning better methods. It is very clear that John Morant has had, I don't know if problems is the right statement, but definitely things surrounding alcohol. And... It's clearly something that's being used in a way that could be construed as destructive and toxic. It's certainly not new. I remember thinking, ooh, when I watched Jaws again, another Instagram live, this man wants to broadcast all of his business out on the streets for no reason. Clearly being like, ooh, I get drunk. I'm so cool. So he posted on a private plane on the way to uh, Cleveland last year to the All-Star game, his first All-Star appearance. I'm watching him. Not shirtless, but just guzzling a bottle of tequila on the plane with his friends. Loud, dancing, fine. But it was like, you're already fucked up. You are already trashed. And you're taking another bottle of alcohol to the head. Not good. And then he was like, oh yeah, it was lit at All-Star Game. Ooh, it was lit. Yeah, okay, yeah. The, the, like a lot of this surrounds bad decisions when you are not sober. And you lose control. Things happen in your brain. Those sensors that tell you, hey, you shouldn't do this, those sensors go away when you've had too much tequila. Hence the whole blame it on blame it on the Henny, blame it on Patron. Like, that's, you can't, you bring a gun to the club, you can't blame it on the alcohol. You can't, sorry. Like, it's the truth. And you people forget Jaw's only 23 years old. He's a baby. Yeah, what I was doing at 23 years old, my lord. My Lord, it doesn't excuse anything, but this is a guy who just signed five years, $213 million. Nothing can prepare you for five years, $213 million at 23 years old. And I love him because he's defiant. He's defiant. And that is what that Instagram Live was. Oh, Washington Post, you want to post a story about me putting a gun in my waistband? Let me show you this. Gun to the face. No shirt on. Like, 
okay, I don't think you get it, sir. Like, you can go to jail for this. You've now moved a gun, allegedly. I don't know how the gun got there, but the NBA is going to want to know. The gun got from Memphis to Denver, across state lines, maybe on a team plane. Now you're talking about felony. You're talking about Gilbert Arena suspensions. All kind of things are in play now. Uh, and now this just came in today. Colorado police are now investigating the incidents to see if Jaw broke any laws. It is believed that Jaw's IG Live was filmed in Glendale, a sub- suburb of Denver known for its strip clubs. He, <laughs> since he was only, uh, it's the only co- county in Colorado that is not an open carry county. Very unfortunate scenario for Jaw Morant. He may be now in play for a weapons violation. That is in addition to whether it can be ascertained if it was his plane, his own gun on the team plane, which would break all kinds of NBA locker room type laws. This shit could get ugly very fast. Sometimes it's better to be a slept on team. The Grizzlies, I think, are a team that's better to be slept on. Them as the team that everybody is looking for, they do not know how to handle that. You have Dylan Brooks with 16 technicals already at this point in the year. He's getting suspensions. You've got John Morant happening. This is probably the worst weekend for the Grizzlies in in team history because they lose Brandon Clark to an Achilles injury, which is not being discussed. It would have if this jaw thing wouldn't have happened. You've had Steven Adams missing a bajillion games. No one knows knows when he's coming back. And... Now you've got one of the thinnest teams as a two-seed, and you're losing to the L.A. Clippers when you had a 15-point lead in third quarter. You're just pew down standings. Sacramento Kings, breathing down your throat. Clippers, breathing down your throat. Mavs, breathing all down your throat. I want Jaw back, but I only want Jaw back if he's changed as a player, if he's changed as a human being. Because... If he has the same baggage and the same decision-making tree that he had when he decided, oh, yeah, you think this is going to harm me? I'm going to put the gun in the IG lock. If that shit is going, this is going to get bad very fast. Because Jaw, we don't deserve it, but really Jaw doesn't deserve it. Really, Jaw needs to sort himself out. He deserves to play with new tactics to deal with being him outside of just Bottles of Henny and strip clubs and guns. There's got to be other things. Kyler Murray chooses Call of Duty. Maybe it's Call of Duty. I don't know what the methods of coping are going to be for Jaw, but this clearly can't be the method because obviously it's leading to being reckless and reckless decisions with a superstar with bajillions of money on the line. We're talking about sponsorship. We're talking about the league. is not going to work. And I will wait, and we should all be ready to wait for as long as necessary for this new version of John Morant to come back. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts
I was thinking about the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks the other day. Actually, just just this Saturday. So Sean Marks gets like a lot of flack, right, for being this mediocre or poor GM. Everybody says it. Oh, Sean Marks doesn't know what he's doing. Sean Marks can't build teams. But if you look at this that I'm about to tell you, there may be no better GM in the world than Sean Marks. I can hear you be like, Trista, what are you talking about? Their team has eroded. They have no picks. Find another GM in the league that has built three Eastern Conference powerhouses and had the team he took over build a fourth. Find that. No one in the NBA has built more winning teams than Sean Marks. The only problem is they're not his, they're not his teams. <laughs> there are other teams that he's building. So, in fact, the Brooklyn Nets are responsible for building right now the top four rosters in the East that are not him. Let's break it down. At the top of the East, you have the Boston Celtics. Now, this is not Sean Marks, but it is the Nets. While this slightly predates Sean Marks' tenure with the Nets, he did not arrive until February 2016. The Nets famously trade Boston uh, for a couple of warm corpses and included the draft picks that turn into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for, you guessed it, Paul Pierce and Garnett. Well done, Brooklyn. You just gave two of the most prolific two-way wings Four guys who did not contribute to you whatsoever. Next up, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who have one of the best defenses in the NBA. The center of that defense is not Giannis. The center of that defense is actually Brooke Lopez. Yes, the same Brooke Lopez who has scored 10,000 points for the Nets, which is the most in team history. He's one of the leaders right now for Defensive Player of the Year. He came over from the Nets to Milwaukee. Just to show how Sean Marks is a good dude, the Nets are actually paying Javon Carter $4 million this year to play for the Bucks. Carter has started 33 games this year and is averaging a career high 8-3-2 with a steal per game and a plus-minus of plus 78. Brooke Lopez was traded to the Lakers and then signed with Milwaukee in 2018. Third is the most interesting one, I think, is the Sixers. So we know that Sean Marks traded James Harden, but he's also kind enough at that same time to take on the worst contract in the entire NBA in Ben Simmons. So you give this team James Harden and take back Ben Simmons? Ben right now is probably a negative asset. You're probably going to have to give up two first-round picks to get him off your hands. And, yes, the Sixers, like you said, like you may know, gave up two first-rounders to Brooklyn, but not every first-rounder is equal, folks. This included the 2022 unprotected first-rounder, which was deferred to 2023, which will end up probably being between 25 and 30, and then also a 2027 first-round protected, which is top eight. That's garbage. So you give up James Harden, and now the Sixers looking like one of the most potent Eastern Conference teams in the league. The two-man game between Joel Embiid and James Harden is looking very, very good. And why did you do that deal? I don't know why he did that deal. Do you know why? Does it make sense to anyone? I don't know. Next up is the Cleveland Cavaliers, who 
have some of the best defense in the league as well. And you traded Jared Allen for no reason to get James Harden, who turned into two random first-round picks and Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah, you traded Torian Prince as well away. Torian Prince turned into Ricky Rubio. The Cavs also used the 2018 draft pick from the Nets to get Colin Sexton, who they eventually used checks notes as a major piece for Donovan Mitchell. So Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, and Jared Allen, all because of Sean Marks and the Nets. So we're talking Jared Allen, Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton, Donovan Mitchell, Brooke Lopez, James Harden, taking on Ben Simmons, and Javon Carter, all because of Sean Marks. That is, that's impressive. That's impressive, no? Nobody is more friendly to the competition than our Kiwi, Sean Marks. He even traded Spencer Dinwiddie to the Wizards for no reason in a five-player trade with the Russell Westbrook just because, just because he was a mensch, only to trade back for him a year and change later for the same amount of money. The draft capital, if you look at this team, is very wonky. I think they're going to need to make some moves. They have three first-rounders this year. They have their own, Phoenixes, and the Sixers. But none of those are likely to drop into the top five, and that's where franchise-altering players are, unless you're Denver and you can find Jokic in the 44th pick. They have one first-rounder, Phoenix, which is likely in the 20s, between 2024 and 2026. They're probably going to have to attach some of their later futures just to get out from under Ben Simmons's contract. And the bigger problem, they don't have any of their own first-rounders. Because they traded them all to get James Harden. So Houston has all their own first, their first rounders. And they're probably going to be a lottery team before long. I don't know what's going on. You have Sean Marks, Josiah. They're swinging for the fences. They miss. They get Kyrie and KD. They miss on them. They lose. They get very little back for them. Now you're stuck till waiting until 2027 when you have two first rounds picks. That's four years, four years from now. To start building through the draft. That's three whole years away. Mikael Bridges at this point is going to be an unrestricted free agent. I don't think that people realize how screwed Brooklyn is unless this team somehow becomes really, really good, at least in the short term. They're going to have to hit home runs in their first three first-rounders this year or bundle them and move up to the draft to get like a top 10, top 5 to figure out a way to get Brandon Miller or the Tom- some of the Thompson twins or something. No one has more writing on this draft than Sean Marks does. You either pull a rabbit out of the hat or you have to trade Mikel Bridges. That's, that, that's it. Those are the only two options you have. You have one year, two years to save your job. But if Josiah cuts ties with him, there's probably a lot of GMs out there that owe him a favor. So he won't be unemployed for long. That's what we can say. Let's, let's face it. Not easy to believe in this Knicks team. Everybody was ready, me, even me, including to think that Tom Thibodeau was going to get the boot this year. A lot of people slept on Jalen Brunson. Not me. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's probably a top five point guard in the league for me right now. Plays with such a chip on his shoulder. But <clears throat> the Knicks' culture is different right now. They are on their longest winning streak in two years, but they are beating Really, really good teams along the way. They beat Boston last night. 
without Jalen Brunson. Yes, there was no Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, there was no Rob Williams. But I don't care. You have Tatum. You have Brown. You should be able to beat these Knicks teams with that, this Knicks team without Jalen Brunson. You should. They took Boston's best shot. Repeatedly get off the mat, taking them down in double OT. And I think that was a signature win. I said to myself, wow, this is when I'm in on the Knicks. You did it without Brunson. You did it with Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly getting 39 points. He played every single minute in that second half. And it feels different. It feels different to me. Because two years ago, it came out of nowhere. Everybody's like, the Knicks are back. But October 20th, 2021, the Knicks beat the Celtics at home. 138-134. That was the bing bong. Bing bong. That was then. That's when the bing bong got created. Jalen Brown had 46. Evan Fournier had four threes in overtime. The Knicks went 5-1. Everybody was bing bong, bing bong. And then they went 6-16 six six and 16 over the next month. That win was the beginning of a season against a Boston team that was still not a Boston team that we know. Catching them out of nowhere. This is Boston, number two seed, coming off of the finals. And yes, under, undermanned, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in their, in their zone. Nothing like that one. Nothing like that win. The Knicks have wins during this streak, the last month. Two times over the Celtics. Two times over the Heat. The Nets, the Hawks, the Wizards, all teams 10th place or higher. They're not feasting on teams like the Houston Rockets and the Spurs. They beat the Sixers as well. All playoff teams, except for the Wizards. They're doing it on the road. They are 20-12. and 12 away from MSG this year. That is second in the NBA. But really, since the deadline is when things changed for me, Josh Hart has been incredible. In the Celtics game, he was he was hounding Jalen Brown. He was hounding Jason Tatum. He was just like a fly on raw meat out there. It was impossible for them to get any shot up. And Tibbs loves Josh Hart. I love Josh Hart. Most importantly, Jalen Brunson loves Josh Hart. And they get him for getting rid of Cam Reddish and a first-round pick for this year. They're 9-0 since Josh Hart got to New York. They are undefeated. They have won 11 out of 12 games. He is plus 120, Josh Hart, in those games. On average, of plus 13 per game. 11-6-3 with a steal per game. And he's shooting 59% from three, Josh Hart. Kind of what I wanted to see from him in Portland, but we'll just move on from there. We got some glimpses. He was a little bit tentative. That's what happens when you have Dame Willard on your team. You, you allow him to hit the sh- those shots. He averaged 16, 10, and 2 in his last week with Portland. So, I mean, maybe he was finally healthy, I guess. Why does this work, though? To me, the reason this is different and the reason that Josh Hart is so good is he's really an extension of Jalen Brunson on this team. You have Villanova DNA. It frees Jalen Brunson up even more. With Hart in the lineup, Brunson's numbers are up 10%, and his minutes are down 10%. He's averaging 28, 4, and 6, and he was averaging 26, 3, and 5 before. 
So he's playing less, scoring more, direct result of having a guy who's defensively really going to be there to protect you. The primary defender on the other team's best scorer, which frees you up energetically. He gets out into transition. He can play, he can play point guard if he needs to, which is what he did last night. He had the ball in his hands a ton when Emmanuel quickly didn't have the ball in his hands. He doesn't turn the ball over. And more importantly, he ensures when Brunson is not in the lineup that the intensity stays high. Yes, was it ugly against the Celtics last night with no Brunson? Hell yeah. It was very, very similar to Julius Randle just dribble, 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 shooting step back threes. But the biggest change for me, the Knicks are different because they're having fun. The enduring image is Brunson putting his fist out during the timeout to dap up Tibbs and Tibbs fist bumping him. Jalen Brunson is having a good time. Emmanuel Quickly is having a good time. And you know what? They are all close, according to insiders. People are saying Julius Randle's body language is better. He is balling out in his last 25 games. Julius Randle averaging 28, 10, and 5, including 38% from three, all the while having fun. R.J. Barrett says they're having fun. And the young players like Quickly, Grimes, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, Deuce McBride, all don't care how many minutes they're having. And they all have an impact. And when you consider the fact that they're the average age of the team is like 24 years old, this team is going to be good for a long time. To the point where you could say, well, I understand maybe why Leon Rose didn't want to trade for Donovan Mitchell. They were going to have to give up too much to get him. <laughs> Stephon Bondi of the Daily News summed up the difference between this year's Knicks team and this one that surprised everyone in 2021. He said, well, this year... They have the fifth-best rated offense and have an identity around efficient scoring. Their seventh-ranked net rating underscores a balance of both sides of the ball. For perspective, the the year that they came out of nowhere, they had the 22nd-ranked offense and one of the slowest teams in the NBA, feasting on their defensive identity and a very old Derrick Rose. So, yeah, it's the offense that comes during playoff time. It's half-court offense that you can rely on during in playoffs. You've got to thank Brunson for that. You're going to thank Emmanuel quickly for that. And to a degree, Julius Randle has a third option as well. There is a reason. New York media is saying that this is the most fun Knicks team since the 1990s. And with their record on the road, there is no Eastern Conference team that wants to see them in the first round, especially the Cleveland Cavaliers. Man, we have had just an killer. I don't know why it's been so good basketball-wise these last couple of weeks, but it's been great. Clippers Suns had the 176-175 rematch, which came down to the wire there as well. You had Suns and the Mavericks. You had KD, Kyrie, Booker, Luka in a game where we had everything that we would hope for. 128-126 was down to the wire. Luka missed a bunny with three and a half seconds left. And, of course, there was electricity there. In addition to all four four superstars putting up 30 points per game in the same game, there were also a couple of fascinating interactions I wanted to note. Outside of the fact that you had four of the best scorers in the league all playing at the same time, having over, I think, 130 points combined between those four. One, the interaction between Kyrie and Katie is curious. Nobody's really talking about it which is exactly what I find fascinating. There's nothing going on between them. There's zero looks. There's zero touching. There's zero conversations. Nothing. 
These guys were supposedly so thick as thieves. They're best friends. They're brothers. They want to play together for the rest of their careers. They want to take control of their future. They want to build a dynasty together. They have been planning this over FaceTimes and Palo Sancho uh, incense burning sessions. And all of a sudden, you have Kyrie saying that Kevin Durant was him in a prior life. Like, these guys were tight. And now it's like they see each other, they don't even speak. Anybody find that strange? I find that strange. They didn't even acknowledge each other during the game. Kevin Durant came over the Dallas Mavericks bench talking to Jason Kidd, and he's like dapping up and hugging, bear hugging Markeith Morris, who I don't know, played with him for a cup of coffee in Brooklyn a month. They played together. They did not play together on any other teams. He's giving him a bear hug, and he says nothing to Kyrie? Zero? They did not even acknowledge each other pregame. They did not shake hands after the game. What is going on here? It deserves a full-on T investigation. Kevin Durant was asked after the fact about what he felt while facing Kyrie Irving. All he said I felt no emotions at all. It was another game. I'm glad we got the W. Whoa, no emotions. Stone-faced, stone-cold Steve Austin. My Lord, it's dead over there. It's a dead relationship. Kyrie said this before the game. I'm looking forward to it, playing against the Suns, playing against the new-look Suns with KD. I think it'll be an exciting time for us to compete again with each other. He's my brother for life. But when we're stepping out there, I'm looking forward to the competition. So Kyrie seems to be less upset with Kevin Durant than Kevin Durant is with Kyrie. Uh, Rumors are that Kevin Durant was angry that Kyrie just dipset it on him in the middle of the season. Could you blame him? Logic police? Yes. Wee-oo, wee-oo, of course. You want to see him play this thing out. He would not play it out because they would not give him the extension. And he dipped out kind kind of in a suspect way. So is there beef? I don't think there's beef, but there's certainly not close vibes, close energy uh, between the two. Are they going to be going to Turks and Caicos this summer and spending some time on a sailboat? No, I do not think so. I think the relationship has grown chilly. I thought that they would. Cons- I thought that they would stay close after last offseason when Kevin Durant was like, yeah, no matter what's in the best interest of Kyrie, we're always going to be tight. Not the way that it went down this time, folks. No, sir. I'm not sure anymore. The other great thing that was uh, happening in this game was this rivalry between Devin Booker and Luka. It is something I need full seven games of again. I need it. The rivalry obviously stems back to last year when Luka did that little meme in uh, Devin Booker's face. Just Google if you don't remember what I'm talking about. He's smiling because he has 30 and the Suns have 27 at halftime. And he's just looking him dead in his face, like two inches from his face maybe. Suns were up in that series, of course. They talked a lot of shit. Luca was not happy with that. Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you wait to talk shit when it's just even? It's all fun and games when you're up, but then all of a sudden they get their asses handed to them in Game 7, and then obviously Devin Booker talked shit to Luca when he missed a bunny with three and a half seconds left. Luca was not having that. He said to Booker, yeah, it's a competitive game. It's all good. Next time, just don't wait until there's three seconds left to talk. That's facts. Booker was asked after the game about the incident. He said this. You guys say you don't want everybody to be friendly, friendly. There you go. We got smoke. 
So the star players on these teams have smoke. I want to see a first-round playoff series between the Suns and the Mavs. Yes, I do. Do I want to wait until the Western Conference? No, I don't want to wait. I want the first round to be that. I want all the drama. I want all the questions about KD and Kyrie. I want Luka and Devin Booker to go at it. You're damn right I do. That's all the time that we have for the episode of the Heat Check. Check back for an all-new episode. Do not forget to watch the feed. We just had Dave DeFore on. Make sure you catch that interview. He was electric. Bonus episodes will continue to drop. We have Bill Ryder coming very soon as well host of Writer Than You, CBS Sports Radio, also does a column. Please follow the Heat Check as the 2022-2023 season heads towards the playoffs. Download, subscribe, tell all your friends. And follow us on social at, at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok because Heat Check never sleeps. <laughs>